0: This is Central Control. Stand Stand by. by.
1: Welcome, One and all. And I hope you welcome us to your planet. Us meaning who, exactly? My name is Tim. And I go by Derek. I'm the one with the beard and the bald head. Um, Tim? Wait a minute, we both are. Right. Uh, I'm the one with the glasses. There you go. We present to you our little ditty that we like to call Transmissions from the Forbidden Planet. That's right. It's a topical
2: little podcast about movies and TV shows that also explore the history of our friendship and beyond the history of our friendship to our childhood, all filtered through the love of movies
1: and TV shows. Right. So we're going to open up this inaugural episode, Little Green Men. Yes. And it's about aliens. Of course it is. Not the ones in the news that everybody's talking about, build a wall and all this shenanigans. No, no, But the ones from outer space that we're trying to build a space wall for. (laughs) It's very impractical. (laughs) Yeah. They could just jump over the
2: space wall. Holy moly. Anyway. Yeah, we're talking about space aliens and not
1: just of the xenomorph breed either. No, no, there's a whole slew of those movies and we're not talking about that specific title.
2: Right. The, basically the history of aliens in film how it started how it got to where it is and where is it going Ooh. and we'll even break them down into categories like alien invasion
0: silence we are travelers from a certain nearby ring planet whose name we'd prefer not to mention
2: and of course you can't forget about the friendly alien
1: i am the martian ambassador we come in peace we come in peace in Yes, friendly contact or abduction. Oh, of course, the good old abduction. That's like when you do sit-ups. <laughs> yeah, I can barely
2: sit down because I did my abductions today. <laughs> <laughs> Sent the
1: alien. So, let us begin. Where does it all start? I mean... I'll tell you where it starts, Tim. In the deep spaces of imagination.
2: So, building from the imagination, you have your novelists come in in that time era. Right. And in 1865, Jules Verne creates From the Earth to the Moon. Yeah. And that book, of course, deals with man's fascination with this idea of space travel. And other novelists saw this, and I think their imaginations bloomed about what could be out there.
0: Open the pod bay doors, Hal.
2: I'm sorry, Dave. I'm afraid I can't do that. So then you flash forward to 1898 and you see H.G. Wells give it a shot with his novel, The War of the Worlds. No
0: one would have believed in the early years of the 21st century that our world was being watched by intelligences
1: greater than our own. So when do we start to see aliens in, in film?
2: Well, I mean, you know, coming off the novelist, you're going to be going straight into silent film era.
1: silent films come along in the 20s, right? Right. Well, I mean
2: 1894 to 1929 till the talkies come in. The one I remember the most called A Trip to the Moon is where the the rocket hits the moon in the eye and
1: it's real nasty and yeah. satanic right. looking moon and it splats its eye. It's Yeah, the the moon people are kind of these funky looking hairy monster people. Right, yeah, yeah. Yeah. The moon freaked me out though. That's a pretty famous one. Basically it's like a bullet getting shot from the planet Earth to the moon. And yeah, like you said, it gets hits the moon in the eye. Right, and...
2: yeah. Very creative for its time, but uh it's disturbing looking. Maybe it wasn't back then, but it is now. Right. The silent film era didn't really do a whole lot with the sci fi aspect. Uh, that was more left to the imaginations of those authors that were doing that stuff. And then, you know, the coming years later, you're going to have the people who read Jules Verne, Arthur C. Clarke, giving their own imagination and interpretations to the media forms of all kinds, yeah. which is like books and comic strips and eventually movies right, and TV. right. As you move on into talkies, uh, serials, movie serials, became a big deal. And in 1936, they started the movie serials of a popular comic strip, uh, Buck Rogers and Flash Gordon.
0: Hello, Shandro. Is that Lieutenant Rogers speaking? Buck Rogers to you, Professor. Hello, Dad. We're having a swell time. Are you all right, Buck? Where are you?
1: And uh, uh, we noticed in our research for this that the actor who plays Buck Rogers... Happens to be the same goddamn actor for fucking Flash Gordon. Right, yeah. Flash!
0: Ah, of the universe.
1: Yeah, his name is Buster Krab. What an awful name. <laughs> yeah. Sounds like a rapper who has an STD. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I found that uh, kind right. of interesting, and 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 it's funny that it doesn't really pop out as a topic of interest through the '30s too much, except for those a couple of those major. You know, I don't even remember how much Fle- uh, Buck Rogers has alien stuff as it does just intergalactic human species. Whoa! Cue the music.
0: Intergalactic, planet-toward, planet-toward, intergalactic,
1: intergalactic. But Flash Gordon, for sure. Yeah,
2: yeah. They were all aliens, right? We also don't want to fail to mention that Superman, of course, is an alien. He looks like a human, of course, right? But but he is an alien, and he was, you know, sent to Earth and all of that. That's not really what we're going to talk about, right? Right. You know, but uh, we did want to mention it just in case you were wondering, because he kind of,
1: right. And that kind of goes back to the Buck Rogers thing, right? So towards the in the end of the '30s, you have. The very popular uh, Orson Welles radio play of H.G. Wells' War of the Worlds, right? Right, yeah. And
2: that's October of yeah. 1938. A perfect time to air that, and it's great.
0: Those creatures know what that means, what anything means. Wait a minute, something's happening. Some shape is rising out of the pit. I can make out a small beam of light against a mirror.
2: Have you right. have you ever listened to it? I have. It's really well done. I liked it a, a, quite a
1: bit. It is good. Yeah. It's. I mean, it's cheesy. Well, I mean, yeah. It, I mean, but it's good. I listened to it a year ago. It's good. I yeah, like it. It was. Yeah. It was. I, it was the same here. I listened to it about three years ago, from beginning to end. Yeah. And I can see how people who don't. I mean, you got to imagine we're all media blasted, right? <laughs> Not like a body shop, but like <laughs> just blasted with uh, all this visual stimulation these people never had any of that you know what i mean all all they had was just barely had radios you know what i mean right so this idea for orson welles is pretty ingenious and i think what happens is is that it plants a seed in a bunch of children's minds oh yeah and so i don't really think we see a whole lot through the world war ii era that follows correct yes but when World War II comes to a close in uh, forty-five, mm-hmm. we start to figure out all of the uh, technology that Hitler actually had going for him. Right. Yeah. With the V-2 rocket. And then there was the big race for uh, atomic bombs and stuff. And, of course, we got the first one off on the Japanese. Mm-hmm. And that starts a flurry of thought pattern of science fiction. Here. Right. Yeah, and I mean,
2: you got to consider, Hitler would have been a lot further along if he wouldn't have had Indiana Jones meddling in his business, (laughs) taking that arc from him and everything, Jesus. That
0: belongs in a museum!
2: And then, World War II comes to an end. We beat Hitler, and everyone's
1: happy, and comes home, and everything's right. right. America's prosperous, and culture starts to shift quite a bit. Right. The baby boom begins. Yep, that's right, people are getting down. And um, a couple of things happen in the later 40s -hmm. that I think start help set a stage for movie entertainment in the 50s. For sure, yeah. And what's the first one? Well, I'll tell
2: you, but you better not tell anyone else. It's something that happens in July of 1947, and
1: that thing is the Roswell incident. Yeah. So in Roswell, New Mexico is the famous UFO sighting and crash or whatever. Hey, 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 whoa, 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 whoa. It was a weather balloon. You need to get your facts straight, buddy. Whatever. I I saw the body on that documentary (laughs) back in the 90s. I don't know if you know this, people,
2: but there's a secret tape out there with an alien autopsy. (laughs) Whatever. Keep it to yourself.
1: Real or not, I must warn you, this appears to be an actual autopsy. Some of the footage you will see in the next hour is very gruesome. So, and then not even, what, a couple months later, Chuck Yeager breaks the sound barrier for the very first time. Yep and we got it above Mach 1, and once we got it above uh, the speed of sound, then uh, you have supersonic flow over the whole airplane, so you no, have no more shock waves on it. The rocket-powered X-1. Right,
2: and that all goes down October 14th, 1947, so just a
1: few months off of the Roswell. Right, incident. which is like literally a couple months later. Yeah. And then you've got to figure, once that stuff starts happening, you're having jets that are going supersonic or close to supersonic and all that stuff you're gonna start seeing things in the sky oh yeah for sure i mean not even that i mean just the jet engine is a pretty new
2: sound to people people probably hadn't heard that right, a lot right. so you hear that sound it's obviously going to raise like all kinds of things in your imagination what the hell was that you hear it constantly now but if you put yourself back then and that's the first time you ever heard a jet engine fly right. over you or something that's that's pretty intimidating your imagination is going to run away with you pretty fast yeah.
1: Yeah, and I don't know if you've ever heard a sonic boom, but it sounds like a bomb going. Yeah, up, no, know. absolutely. Yeah. yeah, it's crazy loud, but awesome. It's funny because we roll into the 1950s, right? Yeah. And if you do a Google search on uh, alien films from the 1940s, mm-hmm. you'll get next to nothing. Right. There's not a whole lot there. There's like a, you know, like a handful mm-hmm. that. Now, change the Google search from 1940s to 1950s, alien movies to in the 1950s, and then boom. It explodes. It yeah. explodes. Yeah. It can't be a coincidence as to what was going on with the space race, the sound barrier, the Roswell information, and all that stuff.
2: Right, yeah. It's a big mixture. It's a big vat of fear, and all of this information, they're being fed by the then very controlled media, and everything's being fed out to them, so the less you know, the more your mind plays with things. I mean, Roswell happened, of course, so people's minds are running away with them. UFO things started to spike, you know, all the sightings, Right. and that stuff all plays into the artistic elements of what people like to be scared so they start playing around with what monsters are out there in space. Right. I like to eat people from other planets. Especially y'all
0: I like eat you with my little mouth too
2: I'll get you when we've eaten them
1: Zoop. as we're getting into the 50s too the movies are starting to get more broad right yeah absolutely so you don't it's not all dance numbers and, and <laughs> <you> know, choreographed <laughs> swimming pool movies <laughs> so and musicals uh, but one of the things I was gonna say that I found as we were researching this too that mm-hmm. seemed kind of interesting and we can start talking about this now well let's do it is that the other thing that seems to be a timing thing is the children of 1938's Orson Welles' radio play mm-hmm. are now grown up and starting career in film. Right. You know, so they want to take the this audio medium that affected them so much as a child and, and kind of maybe put it into a visual medium.
2: Right, exactly. And then you have all of these people who are taking their artistic bend and going with what they pictured in their mind while listening to War of the Worlds or reading these books, and they're putting images to it. Right, right. And that may be even more terrifying to some of the people out there who didn't take the time to put images to it. Right,
1: and then so this is where it starts to branch off into the different columns of alien films. Yeah. Mm -hmm. right. And we might as well start with invasion since uh, war of the worlds is already what we're talking about right and we're not going to do everything in chronological
2: order like every invasion film we're just picking ones that mean something to us, whether they're good or they're bad just
1: kind of skimming through i think war of the worlds the movie came out in 1953 yep if it's men from mars
0: we ought to let them know we're friendly don't fool around with something when you don't know what it is we'd be the first to make contact with them see they would be in all the papers how about that? We can show them we're friendly, huh? Uh, walk out there with a white flag.
1: Yeah, it's not quite an accurate adaptation. It's, it's a little bit different from the book. Oh, yeah, for sure. And yeah. I think because of the flying saucer phenomenon, the writer or whoever it was, director, I don't, whoever made the decision decided to... Oh, cut. cut.
2: Yeah, cut the legs, the tripod legs to make it... Kind a, of like a flying saucer. Right,
1: yeah. That just kind of cruised above the ground. And rather, because in the H.G. Wells novel... They were like these three-legged uh, tripod things right. that walked yep. around and kind of shot this eye ray thing. You know, based on the alien itself. You know, right. It was it was freaking cool. I really dug with that. With War of the Worlds, I can remember it. That was a big movie for my parents when they were kids. Okay. So I can remember it like coming on TV right. and the family knowing it was coming on. And we had almost like a little family night where relatives came over and we had a barbecue kind of thing. And we all watched War of the Worlds together. And that was my first experience with it. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's freaking cool, man. Yeah, it was fun. Yeah. uh, How old do you
2: think you were at that time? uh, Probably 10. Oh, okay. Wow. That's cool.
1: As a 10-year-old, did the movie hold your attention? Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, I thought it was cool as shit because even though you know, obviously Star Wars had already been out and all that stuff. Right. But yeah. I still had an appreciation for kitschiness as a 10 year old in 1980. Uh, uh, <laughs> right. Yeah. Okay. Well, so. Well, um, you see
2: Star Wars as this high adventure as a kid. You see, you can tell that luke and leia and han all of them are human and so you identify them as human but not on earth they're in a galaxy far away so it's a high adventure you don't really personalize it all that much but then you see war of the Worlds, yeah and that's on earth and you see peril and stuff well
1: and it's aged because right. the cars are all old and okay. all the guys yeah. are wearing suits <laughs> right you know correct so there, there is a bit of a disassociation in it but you can still enjoy it, just like mm-hmm. watching a Bugs Bunny cartoon. <laughs> you, they're all World War II era. You know right. what I mean? Yeah.
2: Uh, pardon me, Doc, but
0: could you rent me a U Dry Flying Saucer? I've got to get back to the
1: earth. The earth? Oh, the earth will be gone in just a few seconds. Again, all the cars are owed. They're, they're making war bonds jokes. <laughs> right. You're like, what the hell's a war bond? <laughs> right. And the movie stars are like Mae West and Groucho Marx. Yeah, As a kid, you're like, what the hell? <laughs> but anyway. While you're making
0: up your mind, I'll go slip out of these wet clothes and into a dry martini, huh?
1: So War of the Worlds, you liked it? I remember... Really liking it and probably watching it a handful of times over the years. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's another one that's I feel is real
2: kind of cheesy, but fun cheesy. It's it's a lot of fun to watch, but if you have to watch it from the mindset of the era it came from. Yeah. And if you're not, then you might start to nitpick it a bit. If
1: you have an admiration for kitschy, fun fifty sci fi movies, mm-hmm. yeah. That is one of the best ones. Right. For sure. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's one of my favorites, and it holds up. I've watched it, you know, as recent as a year ago and right. still really liked it. Yeah, me I too. It was freaking cool. Yeah. Way better than the Steven Spielberg one from Ugh. 10 year 10, 15 years ago, or whatever it was. Right.
2: I mean, I, I appreciate the stuff that Steven Spielberg brought back into it, like the tripod legs and all of that, cool effects. <sighs> But he also has to make it an action film, and it has to cater to every 15 minutes something has to happen. Right. And it also has to be a Tom Cruise film, and all of that stuff. And that's where its downfall, well, I think, starts to come in.
1: And then his own character flaw, which is adding children to uh, it. Yeah.
2: He has to have children in every goddamn... Right. Jurassic movies, he did that. And the peril. He puts people in peril that you know it's
1: not going to happen. Right. And nothing—if yeah. there's
2: no consequences.
1: Rachel! Yeah. So, anyway... uh Rachel! War of the Worlds is a really cool one um, the The original The
0: Martians had no resistance to the bacteria In our atmosphere to which we have long since Become immune Once they had breathed our air Germs which no longer affect us Began to kill them The end came swiftly
2: Another one that uh, actually came out before War of the Worlds in 1951 uh, was another movie that I liked a lot as a kid. I didn't see these in order, of course, but I liked it a lot as a kid, and it was remade rather poorly, too, and that's The Day the Earth Stood Still. Oh, right,
1: yeah. Yeah. Right, with Gort. Gort. (laughs) The ship is now resting exactly where it landed two hours ago, and so far there is no sign of life from inside it. Troops have been rushed across the Potomac River from Fort Myer, and have thrown a cordon around the ship. Just a minute, ladies and gentlemen. I think something is happening. Yeah, I don't understand the, even the, the in in the Keanu Reeves redo. Mm-hmm. They didn't even really need that giant robot. Nope. Because it didn't do anything as a giant robot. <laughs> right. It, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. It just stood there. Right.
2: And I will say this movie unfairly gets beat up because of Keanu Reeves. He is not the reason this movie is bad. It's just a bad remake. They were doing it for all the wrong reasons. It doesn't really represent what the original intention was for the original movie. And it's just it's just bad. Right. I need to know what's happening.
0: This planet is dying. The human race is killing it. So you've come here to help us? No, I didn't. You said you came to save us. I said I came to save the earth. You came to save the earth from us.
1: It's a cool idea because I think the idea was, and I don't know if that had ever been done before in a film, especially in 1951 where it's basically slapping America in the face, even pretty early outside of World War II, Mm -hmm. and saying, look at yourselves. Right. You're, you're a little too stuck on violence, people. Right. Get over yourself. Let's rein it in a little bit.
2: The universe grows smaller every day.
0: And the threat of aggression by any group, anywhere, can no longer be tolerated. There must be security for all, or no one is secure.
1: Well, one thing I need to, to know, and I know a lot of you movie nerds out there will know this, but if you're a movie nerd, you're a fan of the Evil Dead... <laughs> army of darkness is evil dead three and there are three magic words he has to say to, before he can take the necronomicon off of the table right. to keep the spirits at bay
0: <laughs> Batu, Rada, Nikto.
1: well those are the same three words that activate the robot gort in right. the original in the movie yeah. right
2: yeah either Bruce Campbell or Sam Raimi, one of those two, are apparently fans of this movie. To use that, I'm, I'm betting it's a little Raimi more than than Bruce. It's funny though, you know. Yeah, it's either way. It's really funny to see Ash attempt the words. <laughs> yeah, right.
1: Clatu, Miranda. <laughs> well, maybe I didn't say every single tiny little syllable, no, but basically I said them. Yeah
0: basically Beware of the blob it creeps and creeps and slides and slides across the floor by right the door and all around the wall a splotch a blotch be careful of the blob Beware
2: There is one from 1958 and it stars a man who went on to be an icon Do you know who that was Steve McQueen that yeah. was his first movie Exactly Steve McQueen starred in a movie called The Blob That's right
0: We saw it again in Dad's store. Dave, it's bigger now. Your story's gotten bigger now, kid. Dave, hey, look at me. Do I look like somebody's playing a practical joke? Am I laughing? Or am I, am I scared
1: still? That was his first feature film, I believe. I could be... He might have had some smaller roles than anything. But it, he was the lead in that movie. Right. And, I, you know, he's got to be in his early 20s in that. Right, but, yeah.
2: But, well... This is how I saw this movie, all right? So I'm like 16, maybe 15, maybe a little older. But a friend of mine rents uh, the getaway. So he's watching the getaway. I come in. I start watching it. And I hadn't really – I mean, if I had, I don't remember seeing a Steve McQueen film. I see this. I love it. And then I start going to the video store. Right. Renting a bunch of Steve McQueen movies. So I get Bullet and I get Papillon and, and The Great Escape uh-huh. all of these, and then I see Steve McQueen on the cover of The Blob. So I go, fuck, I'm going to get that too. Get that home, watch it, and I really like it. I watched it again recently.
1: It's good. Yeah, it's a, that's another one. It's a, it's a low-budget 50s sci-fi movie or horror movie that actually is really cool. Correct, yeah. The concept is unique. It is an alien invasion, but it's also extremely different it's not obviously it's not humanoid right. by any means it's yeah. just this i like that little meteor hits the ground and then the, the old farmer man goes poking at the meteor is it stephen king yeah right <laughs>
2: that's a meteor i'd be dipping shit if that ain't a meteor
1: uh he pokes it open and then there's a little sphere inside and it's gelatin like and he pokes this gelatin with a stick and then the gelatin basically attacks the stick and it goes all the way up his hand Yikes. But then, the, of course, the plot has to move along. The monster gets into the city area, right? So, and then the, the thing just keeps consuming and consuming and consuming, right? And becomes this huge gelatinous blob that's eating everything, right? Cool shit, man. So that was a, that was another one that was real popular with uh, my family as a kid. You know, um, mm-hmm. you know, my sister and I always watched a lot of horror movies together under her influence, and and of course that would have been. From the era of my parents' youth So they, right. they They were pretty familiar with that movie And I remember watching it with them Right, And about the time I was born A sequel Was made in 1972 <laughs> It was called <laughs> Beware the Blah Oh <laughs> right here, Who's the sheriff?
2: The out? On look, no. look, the? look there's this weirdness Going on at the bowling alley You guys better get down there maybe. Mike Al two of our friends
0: were killed tonight by this creature. Oh, a creature. It's going to be here again. Oh, something from the moon.
1: And the funny thing we just found out as we were researching this movie was that the budget it was only a little bit more than the 1958 movie. <laughs> right, which is funny. It's 20 <laughs> almost 20 years later, but um <laughs> Really interesting part is that Larry Hagman of I Dream of Genie and uh, J.R. from Dallas fame was the director of that movie. The times were tough, I guess? That I had no idea. That's ridiculous. I guess they couldn't get Steve McQueen back. I don't remember much about it. I do remember like a bowling alley scene. Oh, okay. And like seeing the blobs like, drip in through the back feet of the where the pins line up and then like pushing through
2: okay right
1: all that stuff and everybody running out of the front of the bowling alley right
2: yeah Yeah. it sounds like a scene from the first one maybe it was in a movie theater in the first one I can't remember but uh, in the first one, I just want to go back for a second uh, uh, with uh, Steve McQueen, anyway. In the original one. Right. Yeah, the, not the, yeah. right.
1: yeah, they freeze it at the end. Right. They, they freeze it on top of a diner. Yeah. Right.
2: And then uh, when it's frozen, they drop it into the Antarctic Yeah. where it can stay frozen. And then it says, the end, question, question mark? mark? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was really cool. I remember. Yeah. I loved Boring. that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
0: Sir, the organism is growing at a geometric rate. By all accounts, it's at least a thousand times its original mass. This'll put U.S. defense years ahead of the Russians. You don't understand. At this rate, by next week, there may be no U.S. Nonsense. All we have to do is contain it properly. As far as the locals are concerned, this is simply a medical quarantine.
1: And then the movie was remade in uh, 1988, and I remember this pretty well. I was about my junior high years, and uh, the only famous person I can think of mm-hmm. in it is Kevin Dillon, who's uh, Matt Dillon's younger brother. Uh, right. Yeah. You guys might know him from Entourage. He he was in that show. And uh, God, I hate that show. Anyway, um, well, I
2: imagine I never saw the the second one or the remake in the '80s, but I imagine in the '80s it probably had a lot of better gore and. There effects. was a lot
1: more of like a um, skulls and skeletons inside of the bodies being uh, eaten, dissolved, yeah. like almost acidic. That acidic flesh eating kind of stuff going on
2: oh, wow that's freaking cool i for some reason i kind of know what you're talking about not because i saw the film but i used to read Fangoria magazine as a as a kid so that might be where i saw it it's blob rule on the streets of springfield and to make matters worse we're also being attacked
1: by a 50 foot lenny well i want to touch just quickly hmm on uh, one of my favorites i think it's mine too even above war of the worlds right. is the thing from another world mm-hmm. now we're not going to go too deep on this because we're going to do a complete show on the thing from another world and the john carpenter remake uh the thing which is as we have stated on previous episodes our favorite horror movie of all time. Glorious. Between the two of us. We both agree. (laughs)
2: Love it. Absolutely love it.
1: And the original, what's cool is the original one, the alien is played by James Arness. Gunsmoke. Starring James Arness as Matt Dillon. And he was also in another sci-fi movie that really is, it's more of the the other 50s phenomenon, which was the giant atomic. Yeah, the atomic age stuff. He was the federal agent that basically came to assist the police when the giant ants take over the world in the movie Them. <laughs> them. Yeah. I so love it. Were born
0: in that swirling inferno of radioactive dust were things so horrible, so terrifying, so hideous. There is no word to describe them.
2: So when I was seven or eight years old, I was sitting around the TV with my mother watching the 1978 remake of Invasion of the Body Snatchers. You're evolving
0: into a new life form. We came here from a dying world. We drift through the universe from planet to planet, pushed on by the solar winds. We adapt and we survive.
2: And she proceeded to tell me while we were watching this that this was a remake, explained that there was another version of this film made back in 1956 that she went to see as a kid. She was 15, 16 when she saw it. Yeah, the black and white one. She got in big trouble because she was raised in a Christian household. Right. And uh, because Satan can take over your body or demons can take over your body and these aliens were taking over your body. So that didn't go over well with her parents. And so she got in trouble. So we proceeded to watch this movie. And I can remember the one thing that did creep me out about the movie was at the very end, Donald Sutherland, there's this woman that Donald Sutherland has kind of been in the story with, and then at the end she's approaching him. Right. And he sees her, and she's trying to say something to him like, hey, I know something's up or something. And he makes this horrible face, and he points at her, and he makes this horrible noise. Right, yeah. But I wasn't really freaked out by the end of the movie. I was freaked out by the face that he made and the noise that he made. And that freaked me out more than anything else. So spoiler alert, he made that face and noise because he was a pod person by the end. Anyway, because of the story that my mother shared with me while we were watching that movie... It made me want to seek out as I got older that version that she saw and got in trouble with because I was like, my mom got in trouble for seeing something. I want to see that. <laughs> yeah. you know. So I saw the original then,
0: years right. later. Please stop! Stop! Stop and listen to me! Listen to me! Listen! listen, listen those people that are coming after me are not human! Listen to me!
1: Well, okay, so. I've never actually seen the Donald Sutherland one. Uh, okay. It was made in the late 70s, right? Right, yeah, 78. Okay. Yep. So. I do know what they did there, you explaining that ending to me, is basically a reverse of the original ending. I've seen the original one a few times, and I and again, I, I, I'm pretty sure I watched that with my parents, because they were revisiting it from their childhood. Right, yeah. And essentially, the hero of the 1956 version mm-hmm. is running away with a woman, and she, uh, at the very end, he turns to her to say something or whatever, and it, it's obvious. She's a pod person now, too, and he's all alone. Okay. So I think when they do the remake, to trick people, they they flip it around. Right, to throw you off. and then Yeah. So if you look at
2: it this way again, so then in 1993, they remake it again, just called Body Snatchers. So 56 to 78 yeah. to 78 to 93, 20-year gap again.
1: That's true. So you have uh, children of that error have grown up to become directors again and kind of bringing back something from their childhood, just like the fifties, I should say they did from the thirties. And and, yeah, right.
2: Yeah. You see this weird like looping factor of this constant appreciation for this particular material. And then as the ages go on, whether it be the fifties to the, 70s to the 90s they're putting their own artistic flair on top of this story that thrilled them as a kid
1: one more thing about invasion of the body snatchers too is is that in that remake right. the actor from the original release in 1956 his name is kevin mccarthy the actor is right there is a part in the remake with donald sutherland where a guy is flipping out and doing that and mm-hmm. saying they're everywhere and it's that same actor right they brought, right they brought they yeah, he's doing a cameo. Yeah,
2: that's awesome. That's a really cool way to homage the original and bring back someone that maybe whoever saw the original can remember. Right. The
0: door. They're coming! They're coming! Help! Help! They're coming! They're coming! <laughs>
1: Yeah, there was one in the 80s called uh, Invasions from Mars. It was was actually Invaders from Mars from 1953. It was a remake of that in 86 called Invaders from Mars. But it's a a body replacement thing where they kind of clone people. Right. Right. there's,
2: There's a little boy at the center of the story. And he is on to what the aliens are doing there, uh, operating on the other side of this hill right near his house. The, the original is fun. It's not great. Toby Hooper remade the uh, remake in 1986, and he was still kind of writing off of his quote unquote directing job. Poltergeist. Uh, yeah, yeah, on Poltergeist, correct. And so he, he did this. It's not great. It's made by Canon, and so the budget was pretty low, so the effects aren't great. Canon Films presents Toby Hooper's invaders from mars. There's no place on earth to hide. But I think Toby did what he could with it, but I don't think his heart was into it. I think it was just kind of another directing job. So Right. Yeah. It right. wasn't
1: it wasn't great. No, they did Canon did a lot of those ninja ninja movies from the 80s.
2: <laughs> right. Yeah. American ninjas and stuff. Yeah. It was awful.
1: <laughs> they also managed
2: to make the worst Superman movie even after Superman
1: 3. <laughs> yeah. Jesus. And
2: He-Man. Yeah. Oh. Well, anyway. They also gave us Invasion USA with Chuck Norris. <laughs> yeah. A different true. kind of invasion. Right. Chuck Norris.
1: Invasion USA. Didn't work, huh? That will. yeah these invasion movies keep coming though i mean yep. we're kind of skimming through but yeah, i yeah. think the next big one for me mm-hmm. was independence day oh, in God. the early night was not that like what 94 92 96. wasn't that late yeah yeah 96 damn okay
2: the fourth of july will no longer
0: be known as an american holiday but as the day when the world declared in one voice we will not go quietly into the night we will not vanish without a fight. We're going to live on. We're going to survive. Today we celebrate our Independence Day.
1: As far as an invasion film Independence Day, I remember when the trailers hit, it was kind of riding even though it was a few years later, it was riding on the coattails of the Jurassic Park special effects mm-hmm. and yeah. so they went balls to the wall on the special effects on that movie yeah they did and and they were uh, pretty good for their time and so i mean i, I remember everybody was dying to see yeah. that movie, especially when they the blowing up the White House. I remember it was such a big deal. Right, yeah. And I mean,
2: you really got to put it into perspective. I mean, we're talking about 96 here. We're 13 years off from when the last Star Wars was released. Right. I've just about had enough of you. So this was the next big thing in sci-fi blockbuster action. Yeah. I mean, it's in space battles and aliens and all of this stuff. It really brought to the table a lot of these special effects and mixed them and showed them what right. was possible now with science fiction action yeah yeah i'll i'll stra- and, and I'll, I, I'll straight up say i was on the opposite side i saw it and i hated it you hated it from the beginning hated it hated all of the jeff goldblum stuff and the stuff with his dad and all of that stuff with what's his name that oh my god Her- harvey scene. Yeah. yeah oh my
0: god oh my god i gotta call my brother i better call my housekeeper i gotta call my lawyer ah, forget my lawyer
1: Derek. He just wanted to be loved.
2: Is that so wrong? <laughs> and don't even get me started on Randy Quaid. All right, you alien assholes! In the words of my generation, up yours!
1: Well, I actually did love it the first time because I didn't have that matured taste in movie watching. You know, you know, it just kind of started. I think was right. the... The, the Tarantino Revolution and all that right. stuff. And, well, and, uh,
2: I, I will say that I can remember seeing the trailer and the minute they put up from the makers of Stargate, I was like, oh, jeez," because I didn't like that one either. Yeah,
1: that was a big disappointment.
2: Yeah, and I, I, I hated Stargate. Even though I love Kurt Russell, I hated Stargate. Right. What are you going to do? Bitch and moan, my pal. Bitch and moan.
1: I grew real tired of Will Smith real fast, <laughs> and I think I, I I liked him in that movie. That was his first real big big movie, right? That's what I call a close encounter. Yeah, I think. And I didn't really like Men in Black, which is another alien movie. Yeah, and then, uh, so we're not going to be talking about it. I know a lot of people would probably want us to talk about it. Right. But... Yeah. I'm not. I'm not interested. No, nope. <laughs> but I loved Independence
2: Day too. Oh right? man, loved it.
1: <laughs> love, love, love. That is definitely bigger than the last one. Uh, no, just kidding. Nope. I I never had any any no desire to even bother. Right.
2: Well, I mean, with the job that I have, I got to see it for free, and I still wanted my money back. So that tells you it was <laughs> awful.
1: Just terrible. Right. Well, but okay.
2: I, I I do want to mention another film in the invasion kind of film, and it's a 1960s film called Village of the Dam.
0: Science fiction has never imagined so strange or terrifying a story as that of the village of Midwich, England, cut off from life as we know it by
1: some mysterious force. And later, at one and the same time, a child was born to every woman in the village.
2: This was remade by one of my heroes, John Carpenter who remade The Thing, which has become one of my favorite horror movies, as we've talked about. And so I was stoked. I was like, I saw the original as a kid. It was creepy. And I mean, it's not a great film, but the kids are creepy. And as a kid, yeah, I don't know know it. I mean, I
1: know of it. I know the title, but I've never seen it.
2: Right. Well, in 1995, John Carpenter remade this film and it was a trifecta. It was an instant go for me because it was John Carpenter. It was Christopher Reeve, my childhood hero, Superman, of course, oh, yeah. and then Mark Hamill, who was Luke Skywalker. Oh, is he really? How could I lose?
1: Why do you think your own survival depends upon emotion from us? Should we pity you? Empathize with your plight?
2: You should
0: feel! You should feel something! Without feelings, you're nothing. You're just second-rate mimics of a higher organism. That's right, a higher organism. We're your superiors in our capacity to love. And without
2: compassion, you're a
0: doomed species.
1: Emotion is irrelevant.
0: It is not our nature.
2: Then it ends, and it's like, God damn it, this sucks so bad.
1: It's awful. <laughs> Ugh. Oh, man. What year is this? 1995. Awful. Oh, okay. So, yeah, definitely. Definitely after they live, then.
2: Yeah. Oh, yeah.
1: Because um, I saw They Live With a Friend at the Dollar Theater, okay. which is another John Carpenter film. Yeah,
2: I saw it at a Dollar Theater, too, in Houston, Texas.
1: And it's an alien invasion type thing. Well, they're already here and we don't know it type deal. Right, yeah. You have to wear the special sunglasses to see them. And <laughs> Starring WWF when it was still the WWF and not the WWE. Right. Uh, star uh, Rowdy Roddy Piper. Oh, man. Rest in peace.
0: I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass.
1: <laughs> and I'm all out of bubblegum. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what a badass. And uh, our go-to badass himself. Our go-to favorite here on uh, Transmissions from the Forbidden Planet, uh Keith David. That's right. If you're not getting Borgnine, you're gonna get some Keith David. <laughs> it is the nature of humankind to fear what they do not understand. Yeah, that movie was cool. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't I I don't know if I've seen it recently. I know I've probably seen it fifteen years ago or maybe ten years ago. Right. And but I can't remember if I Thought it held up or not.
2: Yeah, I I was lucky enough maybe three, four years ago, I got to see in a little theater in my town. They had a John Carpenter retrospect and they had uh, Halloween, they had The Thing, Starman, and then the last one they showed was They Live. And I really enjoyed it. It's cheesy and it's mancho and it's kind of all of that stuff all balled into one. This one is really, I think, Carpenter's homage to
1: cheesy 50s movies. Oh, definitely. You have to you have to go into that knowing it's kind of a meant to be silly because right yeah the lines are so dumb <laughs> but they're hilarious right yeah and I mean in my opinion it's the last
2: good John Carpenter movie it kind of he blew his wad creatively right. I guess with this one and, he, and all the rest were just not so great but this was the last of the good stuff he had in him and and yeah I, I That's it's right fun.
1: and the the female love interest had the creepy.
2: Yeah. whitish eyes. Pale
1: blue eyes. Yeah. It was There's, creepy. They're so like, whoa, is she really an alien? <laughs> <laughs> she just didn't look human. Right. It's like Yancey Yancy Butler had, had eyes like that, too. <laughs> the one in Hard Target. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. What kind of a name
2: is Chance? My mama took one. I mean, it's got some cheesy but good makeup effects that matches the tone of the movie. Yeah. Yeah, I I really like them. Right. I mean, it's not trying to be the uh, amazing stuff that you see as far as uh, prosthetic effects in the thing, it's just trying to be this light-hearted kind of fun '50s homage alien invasion right. kind of film, kicking ass, right. and that big long fight scene that between Keith right. David and him that go on for like I don't know. It seems like it goes
1: on for freaking right. ten minutes or so. Yeah, like a Family Guy Chicken and Peter thing. Right. <laughs> don't
2: you talk to my wife like that? Oh yeah, what are you gonna do about it? <laughs>
1: And there's another one called The Hidden, too, where the guy steals Rick Cars and he's a little wormy guy mm-hmm. or something. And right. Kyle MacLachlan is. You, you know, is...
2: My, my memory of watching this movie is actually watching it on cable at yeah. late night, like Cinemax or something like that. And, you know, just sitting there because mom was asleep and thinking, where are the boobs, man? <laughs> when are they going to show boobs? <laughs> Bring
1: on the boobs. Bring, Bring on, on the, the boobs. boobs. You still don't get it, do you, boys? There ain't no countries anymore. No more good guys. They're running the whole show. They own everything, the whole goddamn planet. They can
2: do whatever they want. Well, I guess zooming on down the list, we got another alien invasion movie that they're kind of already here at the beginning of the movie sort of like this movie and it's district nine and what we do here at this department is we try to engage with the prawn on behalf of mnu and on behalf of
1: humans i think i feel like i liked it at the time but i still the the idea of them turning him into one of the prawn aliens right yeah i just that didn't make any sense to me oh really I'm like, why does that happen? <laughs> hmm. I don't know. It's, it was like a bad thread, in my opinion. No, oh, really?
2: I, I really liked this film. I haven't seen it since it opened, but I liked it. I liked everything but that. Jeez, the passion yeah. you have. Listen, Listen you go it, You can make it. I'm going to just hold him off here, and I'll join you soon. <laughs> anyway, I looked at that part of it as if they were saying, okay, you're enforcing all of these rules on us. You're being mean to us. You don't really care about us. So here you're going to be one of us and you see how it feels.
1: Right. Well, which is basically taking from the twilight zone, the, the racist who ends up in every racist. Pos- yeah. Right. It's I, I, I get that. It just, yeah. at the same time, it just, I nitpicky in my mind. I'm like, it just seems turning a human into, and it's only like one it's slowly growing on them. I don't know. It just didn't make sense to me. I, did, hmm. I was like, Scientifically, it didn't make sense. <laughs> oh, scientifically, okay. Don't make me get ogre, you
2: nerd. No! But I liked the movie. I liked the little story and how it broadened the theme of other things. It had cool special effects in it. That director, uh, Neil...
1: Yeah. Um, uh, Neil Bloom- Bloomquist.
2: Yeah, yeah. I, I liked him a lot. I don't think he's really flexed the same uh, story muscles yeah. as he has with that movie. I think that was kind of the best thing he's done so far. His other movies have kind of been okay
1: we've got the Predator franchise right. which honestly the first one with all the, the big guys it's yeah. really the only Arnold. one that's Arnold and yeah, what's his name Action Jackson and, uh, <laughs> Carl Weathers yeah <laughs> just tap it in Apollo tap it in Dylan you son of a bitch and um, don't forget about Jesse the Jesse body. the body yeah. right right that movie is incredibly badass. Right, yeah. <laughs> I mean, even for its 80s cheese, it's still good. Yeah, it is.
2: And it starts out like it's Commando 2. These big right. guys yeah. all this action. Because you have no idea what's happening. And right. And all
1: of a sudden. It turns into this absolutely gory horror story. Yeah. It's so cool. Yeah, when they rip, rips that spine out of the dude's body and he's hanging the bodies. That shit was so cool. Yeah.
2: Good old R-rating stuff. Yeah.
1: And then, you know, I don't even really want to. Spend much time in any of the sequels or no. the Alien versus Predator thing. God, but no,
2: no, let's not
1: do it. So,
0: you're one ugly motherfucker.
2: If we're talking about kids that grew up in the 1950s and 60s that became directors and they loved the 50s and 60s sci fi films, but they loved them for all of the campiness and overacting and stuff and then got to make their own movie, we'd be talking about Tim Burton and Mars Attacks.
0: I want the people to know that they still have
1: two out of three branches of the government working for them, and that ain't bad. Yeah, and I only just recently saw that for the first time, like, maybe two months ago when I was texting you about it. Right, yeah. (laughs) Um, Yeah, and I thought it was funny. It was pretty good. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's silly, but... Yeah, it's supposed to be silly. It was Tim Burton being able to do his
2: own homage to that time and make it silly and over the top. He goes to the top-tier actors and actresses and tells them, hey, you know what? You're going to be able to just overact all you want on this, go to town, and go as big as you want. Yeah, right, right. Do it, yep. Yeah, and then Jack saw that and said, you got it, I will.
1: Yeah, he has two roles in in that.
2: Yeah, Yeah, good old Jack Nicholson. So I, I really had a lot of fun with it. It seemed like it was right in the belt of what tim burton brought he brought a stylization to it and it matches really well to that time era and the movie that he's making i think because he is such a big fan a lot of his his uh, artistic flair comes from that time period
1: oh right yeah for sure <laughs> And then, of course, if
2: we're going to talk about alien invasion movies, we cannot leave out one that is talked about and kind of criticized for its major flaw. And I agree with the flaw, but I still really like the movie. And that's Signs. I forgot about that one. Yeah. yeah.
0: Some people are probably thinking this is the end of the world.
2: That's true. Do you think it could be? Yes. Yes. And it, it does a really great job, even with the music and everything in the movie builds to this crescendo of tension.
1: And just, yeah, there's uh, some moments and this yeah, the, the, there's some scenes in there that make me jump. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. The the, the one the one that when I when, when we first saw it, because I think we all saw it together. Yeah, we did. We uh, did back yeah. in when it, in the theater. Yep. There's a
0: monster outside my room. Can I have a glass of water?
1: I remember, you know, they're they're watching the TV. Right. Yeah, and that's somewhere in like South America or Central America, and that's a birthday party, and an alien walks by the alleyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and whatever that was, it it didn't work the second time or any of the other times I've seen it, but the first time I saw that, oh yeah, oh yeah, I don't know if the hairs ever stood taller <laughs> on my. <laughs> that was done really well. Yeah, it was really freaked me out. <laughs> and plus, and, then... and plus, you got Joaquin in there. Move,
0: children, dominos.
1: Cause he's the big tough guy and he's right. like practically jumping behind the couch. Right. Oh! And then the next scene was where with Mel and the, the one in the pantry. closet. Yeah, yeah. The pantry and, and like using the knife as the mirror. Oh and,
2: yeah. That got me and,
1: good. Oh yeah. <laughs> 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 So, I just, another one where it had a, nit, you know, my nitpick on that, like I had one for District 9 was, and I, I think this was everybody's nitpick. Oh, yeah, it was. Just how easy it was to yep. to resolve the movie, and you're like, come on. Yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah, you wrote the script, sleep on it, wake up, reread it, and say, oh, yeah, water thing, that's kind of dumb, I need to change that.
1: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it would have been a great movie yeah that probably be talked about a little more
2: right yeah Meryl
1: swing away one we got to bring up is modern very successful cool badass invasion film Mm -hmm. with the reluctant hero (laughs) right is uh Edge Of tomorrow with Tom Cruise. Oh, shit, yeah. Tomorrow's
0: invasion is a slaughter. I'm dead within five minutes of landing on that beach, along with every other soldier you are sending. That's because the enemy knows we're coming. How do I know this? Before I died, I killed a mimic, only this one was different. It passed something on to me in my blood. Now I live the same day over and over again, just like they do. <laughs>
1: It's such a fucking rad movie, and and by the time by the time this movie had come out, I was completely anti Tom Cruise. Right, I remember. You know, the Scientology thing, the weird stuff, all of his crap movies that he'd been doing. I just, I've grown. Strong content for the guy. And <laughs> so it was, it was even hard for me to start the movie. Right. I wasn't in that position, but I got you. Once I got a few minutes into it or whatever, and I was like, holy shit, this is such a fucking cool movie. Yeah, it is. And I, I will say, I don't know if his agent
2: changed or whatever happened at this time period. Or if he just saw, hey, I don't want to be the mancho hero in this one. Write me the part as the coward of the film. I'm not a soldier, really. No, of course you're not. That's why I'm embedding you with several hundred thousand men and women who are. While it is an honor, General, I'm afraid I'm going to have to decline.
0: Can't stand the sight of blood. Not so much as a paper cut.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, right, exactly. Because all of the
2: decisions that he makes in the film, I mean, up until the end, aren't rooted in heroism they're rooted in i want to save my ass i don't want to die again help me get out of this (laughs) yeah right right. and and he that's all he's trying to do through the whole movies he's trying to save his ass right and happens to do humanity a favor in the process but
1: yeah i love that no it was brilliantly executed and entertaining from beginning to end which is hard to do (laughs) right yeah (laughs) you know a lot of times a great idea like that will peter out by the end of it yeah absolutely but this was this was or full follow through.
2: Yeah, yeah it was and and the, the aliens in this are extremely vicious in it I mean it's a really, the action is really visceral in it uh-huh. and the aliens when the whole thing happens to Tom and he gains the power I remember looking at it and going oh my god it's <laughs> this is really rough but uh, yeah the, the action really keeps going, the pace is really good Emily Blunt is amazing yeah. in the film I mean she's just right, so yeah. good Find me when you wake up Come find me when you wake up. And so Tom is working off of something he hadn't done before. And I think that that really complimented the
1: film. He needed it in this part of his career. (laughs) Right. And I remember feeling towards the end, you know, as he's doing the thing for the 800th time or whatever. And he's on that ship, the drop ship, Mm -hmm. looking at the dudes, yelling at him the same thing. You feel the same way he does. You're like... F- shut the fuck up, you jarhead <laughs> asshole! You know who's the one who's you know basically right. talking down to him and calling him a pussy or whatever. Right? Yeah. Excellent film. Love it. Did you just
2: take my me? my battery battery? No!
0: Oh, no! No! Holy fuck! Ah! Oh, <laughs> so, here's the
1: gist. You want to talk to us, you want comments, you want reviews, all this horse shit. How could they not, really? Instagram and Facebook, we are mm. at TFTFP Podcast.
2: If you want to tweet us or twit us or whatever it is out there, yeah, you just have to go podcast
1: TFTFP. Yeah, because the other one was taken. Yeah. and <laughs> <Jerks>. <laughs> Send us a gosh darn glorious little email. No dick pics, please. Uh, uh, Tim, uh don't, don't to... tell him what to do. <laughs> <laughs> Care of Derek though the uh, oh. email the email address <laughs> is uh, podcast at gmail.com.
2: Glorious. and we also have a spectacular little patreon page that should be in the description wherever you downloaded this podcast. If you go there, you can get extra content and just for half the price of a cup of coffee, you can get our warm voices poured into your ear freshly brewed it's just amazing it's really nice and we're so much better for you than coffee too we don't make you shit as much well i wouldn't go that far too (laughs) like subscribe (laughs) and review us and make it positive right i mean you can be negative about other things just don't mention us with the negativity
1: we're we're delicate over here i got a thin skin yeah i think that covers our bases on alien invasion and, and alien invasion is probably the biggest segment oh, yeah. of the alien films because it's always had as humanity uh, defend itself against an attacker, right? right.
2: And and we we've, we've seen it done many different ways over the years. And you know Cloverfield does it with the handheld technology, but it's basically the same story over and over again. Which is, right. how do we defend ourselves against these beings coming down with massive technology?
1: Right, that right, light right.
2: years better than anything we'll have. So what do we do when they come down and they're friendly? How villainous will we become? Right, right. That is the question. I bring. Oh, it's bringing love don't let it get away break its legs so, yeah!
1: so friendly alien encounters yes there are some yeah yeah and i i think i feel like it doesn't really happen too much in the earlier days because right. yeah. it's all about scaring teenagers and getting you know what i mean that's right i want the movie to end with a big explosion Sky from the smoke. Because I think Close Encounters of the Third Kind is like the first one Mm -hmm. where they end up not being a threat. But we don't really know it. Right. He kind of plays with you through the movie where you're like, are these things friendly or not? It's hard to tell. Weird stuff's happening. Right, yeah, yeah. People are disappearing. A little boy disappears. Right. That scene alone with the boy. But, of course, they all come back at the end. Right.
2: yeah, but, I mean, in the middle there you have Richard Drivers making yeah, the mountain. Right, out of
1: potatoes. But, and,
2: yeah, it's got its suspenseful moments for sure in it.
1: Yeah, it plays on some of the typical, what was known as the abduction tropes, you know, the single two-lane road. and Right, yeah, yeah. The light coming down on him and all that stuff and, uh, you know, seeing Mm -hmm. it race off.
2: Right. That was one of those movies, again, I saw when I was a lot younger and I didn't get a whole lot of it. But I did, I mean, the part with the boy being kidnapped, that scared me with the door opening, all the lights shooting in and all
1: of that stuff. All the toys start coming alive. Yeah.
2: Yeah. It was creepy. It was creepy stuff. So you get to the end, you're not quite sure through the movie if the aliens are good or bad. But then they start communicating with it and it becomes really intriguing because they're doing Doing that music stuff that they
1: did. Yeah. Yeah. It's got the guy from all the Christopher Guest movies, and his name is uh, Bob. Uh, Bob. Uh, something. Bob. Balaban. Yeah. Yeah. That guy. That was one of his earlier films that oh. he had done, and. Uh,
2: yeah. Not bad.
1: Yeah. Right. I know he did. He scored pretty well for himself.
0: Uh, right. Missionary, please. One more question. Have you recently
1: had a close encounter?
2: A close encounter with something very unusual.
1: Who are you, people? Yeah. And and he was the communications guy who was helping translate for the French guy in that movie. And right, I yeah. think they came up with the... Musical tones to to put out for the right. the, the mothership to react. So cool, man! And it was a pretty cool scene. Love that scene, and then the director's cut. Yeah. He went back, he reshot
2: some things. So you see Richard Dreyfus in the spaceship at the end, and the little aliens come out, and you're thinking, are these ET's cousins? E T Um phone E T phone.
1: Yeah, which brings us to our next one, E.T. Correct. That's our the other huge uh, friendly alien scenario, right? Man, I,
2: oh man, that movie nailed me good, crying-wise. Oh, yeah. I it nailed the whole
1: fucking planet
2: right yeah well I mean i was I was a child of divorce and I was raised by my mom yeah, all of that stuff. so I identified with so many things in that movie it was just like oh wow
1: uh-huh. there's
2: et out there for me too right yeah, but tons of crying for me at the end there in the middle too
1: yeah, and I remember being afraid to go see it oh really afraid to go see it because I was worried about crying because the, the the word had spread right the word had it spread that's sad and you're gonna cry like right. there's no question it's happening and I was like I was always embarrassed about it so I was like I don't want to cry yeah
2: fuck you Steven Spielberg and I went and saw it and I fucking cried <laughs> did that same neighbor woman take you to see that one too
1: yeah <laughs> did she <laughs> and I looked over at her and she was crying I'm like damn it we're both crying <laughs> But anyway, uh, it was a pretty interesting story, and and the fact of a a lovable alien, you know, I mean, you hadn't really seen anything like that.
2: No, no. It was a unique idea, and Spielberg, I think, was still at the top of his game then, so it was well done. Right, right. Then you add the relaxing
1: sound of Deborah Winger's voice. (laughs) I guess it worked, though. Yeah. Yeah. Or uh, Neil Diamond singing.
0: Turn on your hotline.
1: Let Let it shine shine wherever wherever you go.
2: go. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I never made that correlation until years later, and I'm like, oh yeah, he is singing about E.T., huh? (laughs) That's weird. (laughs) Yeah,
1: he's riding the coattails of that. He's like, hey, I can get more record sales. Yeah, because sweet Caroline ain't giving me shit now. (laughs) Right. That's E.T., yeah, there's a lot to say. And I got to tell you, I never even had a Reese's Pieces before that movie. Right. Yeah. They were, I think it was a failing thing because the funny thing about that is, is
2: Steven Spielberg wrote the script with M&M's, went to M&M's, and then M&M's basically said, we don't want to do right. that. I remember yeah. hearing that. So they go to this failing candy, which is Reese's Pieces that was out at the time. Right. And they say, hey, will you do this? And they do. And that's why Reese's Pieces is still around because of that movie. Right. I know. <laughs> that's
1: crazy.
0: Ooh, a piece of candy. Ooh, a piece of candy. Ooh, a piece of candy. Ooh, a piece of candy.
2: Got us killed.
0: You said you watched me. You said you knew the rules. I do know the rules. Oh, well, for your information, pal, that was a yellow light back there. I watched you very carefully. Red light stop, green light go, yellow light go very fast. You better let me drive. I will
1: drive. Right around the same time Jeff Bridges you mentioned earlier does uh Starman. Yeah, two years later, eighty four. Yeah. Yep. I remember really liking that movie as a kid. I don't I haven't seen it as an adult. Right.
2: I haven't either. I haven't either. But I remember seeing it back in the day, probably eighty six. Yeah. Eighty somewhere around there on yeah. cable. And loving it, loving the little, remember the little silver ball things that he had uh, that helped him do his power, and I loved that. (laughs) And I also, uh, the one thing I remember the most is there's a camera scene in there where the alien is basically in a lock of Jeff Bridges' hair because he's he's dead. Uh And uh, the wife keeps a lock of his hair. Uh-huh. So the alien is able to get into that that strand of hair, and the camera angle's inside the hair follicle. I freaking loved that
1: as a kid. I don't know why I loved it. Well, okay. The other thing that really struck me was, is I was pretty new to Arizona at the time. Okay. And the end scene is over Meteor Crater, up by Winslow. Oh, really? Yeah.
2: Oh, I had no idea.
1: Yeah, I don't know if you've ever been to Meteor Crater. It's incredible. No, I haven't. Wow. It's, it's like a mile wide crater from a meteor that was only like three or four feet wide, but okay. it hits it hits so fucking hard it made a crater that big. And the spaceship is basically floating in the middle of Meteor Crater out oh, there. Oh damn! I gotta go see yeah.
2: that now, man.
1: Jesus. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, there's a there's a museum there, and I, I went there as a kid with my family, uh, check it out and all that stuff. And I'm like, it's from Starman, I must go.
0: Take me with you. I cannot. Please. You will die there. I don't think I care. I care. Now.
1: Tell me again how to say goodbye. They did a Starman TV series. Yeah. Yeah, with Robert Hayes from Airplane Fame. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Instead of <laughs> Jeff Bridges. And right, yeah. he's they're they're chasing the woman from the movie. <laughs> yeah. Right. With his son, yeah, that, was weird. that he made with him, yeah, it was a really weird <laughs> uh, series, and I don't. It probably only lasted like a season or two, but it was very incredible. Hulk, like fugitive guys chasing him, yeah. or the fugitive, where yeah, they're exactly that format of television show right. in a different town, or even the A Team, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, different town every every week. Oh, Jesus, but Starman,
2: though you can thank good old Carpenter for that film. So that's interesting. I had no idea
1: until you told me that just now. Primarily, I think it's a science fiction love story um, at its basis. When I read the screenplay, I thought, here was a chance to do It Happened One Night, a kind of an updated version with a science fiction premise to it. So um, that's what I did.
2: So just a short year later, my friend, Tim, there was a movie that redefined alien movies, friendly alien movies, whatever you want to say. But it involved the elderly with that premise. Oh, yeah. And Steve Gutenberg. And that movie is Cocoon.
0: I feel tremendous. I'm ready to take all the world out.
1: Yeah, yeah. And Wilford Brimley, too, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, he sure was. He had diabetes. Don Michi yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. And Jessica Tandy and her husband, who they were in a ton of stuff together.
1: I don't, I don't remember it too well. I just remember the old people started screwing a lot all of a sudden. <laughs> right. and... I mean, in short, basically, the movie is like
2: aliens come down. They wear these skin suits to look like humans or whatever. They charter a boat, uh, who which is driven by. Uh, Steve (laughs) Gutenberg. he goes out, he takes them, they go deep sea diving, they pull up these rocks out of the ocean and they end up being cocoons that they end up keeping in this pool in this house that they rent. The old people go to this house, they go swimming in the same water the cocoons are in and they get a blast of vitality, I guess, from the cocoon energy or the alien energy or whatever it is and then, so they get real youthful feeling and they can go out and they can break dance and they can do all of this stuff and they get frisky with one another and all of that and then the aliens end up at the end having to take these cocoons back home and all of that stuff it's a cutesy movie it's not one that i have a lot of love or hate for it's just kind of there and i remember watching it a lot when it was on cable
1: that's really dumb okay yeah (laughs) that's all i want to talk about it then (laughs) on to the next we'll never be sick we won't get any older and we won't ever die
0: beyond the innocence of youth And the wisdom of age lies the wonder
2: of cocoon. So, what's up next, Tim?
1: James Cameron's The Abyss. Oh, yeah,
2: yeah, right.
0: So, I I can hear you, but I can't talk, right? The fluid prevents the larynx from making sound. Excuse me. It'll feel a little strange. Yeah, no shit. Uh, I gotta warn you all I'm a pretty lousy typist.
1: Some people hate, some people like. I don't know. I thought it was really good. Yeah, I liked it a lot. You know, it suffered from being overcut. Right,
2: yeah, because the theatrical cut ends and you're kind of like, huh?
1: Yeah, what happened? Yeah. Well, once you see the original director's cut, you're like, "Oh, yeah, that makes way more sense."
2: Yeah, way more sense. And, and and you know, people went into this and I think that by that time they already knew Cameron was in charge of it and because he did Terminator and Aliens, they were immediately thinking, "This is going to be action packed." Right. And it just wasn't. It was more of a story
1: with some action in yeah, it. Yeah, it's a no, it's a story and yeah, um from what i've heard too that there was a lot of emotional stress put on the cr- cast and crew <laughs> right yeah J- james cameron's not a lovable huggable snuggle bear no he's a, yeah he's a he's an, an asshole to work with. Yeah. basically <laughs> but that whole thing with mary stewart master antonio having to to drown Ugh. in order to it was Ugh. like the what's the plan
0: i drown and you told me back to the rig no no. Yes, this water. No. A couple of degrees above freezing. I go into deep hypothermia. My blood will go like ice water. Right. My body systems will slow down. They won't stop. Lynch. You told me back and I can, I can be revived after maybe 10 or 15 minutes. Lynch, 15, put this 15 on. minutes. You put it no, on. it's the only way. You just put this on. Put this on. You know I'm right. That
1: was so rough. That's one of those things you're like holding your breath with her.
2: <laughs> yeah, totally. When you're going. And I mean, that that's the best scene in the movie surrounded by all of these awesome effects that's the best fucking scene in the whole goddamn movie yeah I know right
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah because they have the essentially the aliens can control the water and that big right. water the water head comes out a tentacle, the big tentacle. The, yeah that was so cool and then it yeah. mimics the person's face yeah, yeah
2: that was so I mean you put yourself back in that time era that was groundbreaking now it's nothing you look at that and you go oh geez I can do that on my computer but back then it was a freaking right, amazing
1: right. you never saw anything like that <laughs> right right yeah and that's probably where he got the idea for uh C- yeah. t-1000 yep. yeah it is yep there's that one for friendly because they weren't the threat michael bean was the threat <laughs> that's right yeah essentially good old yeah. kyle reese yeah right right
0: with all that's going on up in the world you bring a nuclear weapon in here this is does this strike anyone as particularly psychotic or is it just me Mrs. Brigman, you don't need to know the details of our operation. It's better if you don't. You're right. I don't need to know. What I need to know is that thing is off this rig. Do you hear me, Roger Ramjet? You're becoming a serious impediment to our mission. Now, you either do an about-face walk out of here.
2: I'll have you escorted out. So as heady as the sci-fi in Abyss was, it was still more of an action film than anything else. But the next film, The Arrival, was more of a heady sci-fi film. It actually brought brains back to sci-fi for the first time in in a very, very long time.
1: Yeah.
2: I think those are their names.
0: So what are we going to call them?
1: I don't know. Because that movie was really smart. Yeah. Super smart. Yeah,
2: very smart. And it's good, too. Yeah. You actually give a yeah. shit about the characters that you're watching in the movie. So. Yep.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of emotion in it, for yeah. sure. Yeah,
2: yeah. And, and one of the things I love about it is it's not this, this shortcut thing around aliens learning English. Right. They have to learn their language, and it takes a while. Kangaroo. What is that? In
0: 1770... Captain James Cook's ship ran aground off the coast of Australia and he led a party into the country and they met the aboriginal people. One of the sailors pointed at the animals that hop around and put their babies in their pouch and he asked what they were and the aborigines said kangaroo. It wasn't until later that they learned that kangaroo means I don't understand.
1: I can show that for now.
2: There are so many things in this movie you haven't seen in an alien movie before. It's so good. The only thing,
1: you might have seen spaceships like that before. That's no big deal. But that's it. You've never seen aliens like that. You've never seen communication like that and nope. never seen anything right
2: yeah it gave this authenticity i remember sitting there and watching the movie and thinking this kind of feels like how things would go down literally right oh yeah you know the military is seconds away from just launching all Bucking out it all up you know, yeah
1: yeah <laughs> all out
2: war man and then and with the job that I have, I got to actually see people who had got to screen the movie and they came out and they were really disappointed. Like 70% of them came out like there was no action in it and it was all just talking and all of this stuff. And, and that is what I mean by the sci-fi is so it, it mixed in with all of the action now. Yeah. It's hard to rip it apart. And when you do that, people freak out about it. Yeah. they're like there's no explosions in it or anything and the movie they wanted was released a few months before and that was Independence Day two
1: Ugh. yeah yeah right sorry not my not my jam nope that makes me so upset that I don't even want to talk about it. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, I can't say the victory of it was that the movie ended up getting a lot of acclaim. Accolades. And, yeah, and accolades. Yeah. Uh, stuff like that. People who looked up and worshipped all of these uh, bloggers or, or reviewers or whatever, when they came out and said, it's good, even though they had already saw it, they went back to see it and they said, oh, yeah, it is good. I didn't I didn't notice yeah, all of this right. good stuff about it.
1: Yeah, or those who were late goers. They're influenced by the buzz. Right, right, exactly.
2: So,
0: Hannah, this is where your story begins. The day they departed.
1: So I think that's really it for what we want to cover right what you and i want to cover on the on the whole friendly alien encounter yeah i'm good the next one which is pretty short too is basically abductions right right and you know the only one i can really think of well there's two there's this island to earth from the 50s <laughs> which is a really cool movie Right.
0: prisoners hurtling through endless space Speeding toward the unearthly furies of a planet gone mad. see sights never before dreamed by man. The battle between guided meteors and deadly rays.
1: It was actually when Mystery Science Theater 3000 did their theatrical release. That was the movie they made fun of. Right, yeah, that's why I'm laughing. At. In the not too
0: distant future.
1: Did Webb see it? Unless he's blind. Check him. Right.
0: On Joe. Until we find out what happened. All three of us were blind.
1: I'll go poke Webb's eyes out. Mystery
0: Science Theater 3000
1: The third billing character is played by the professor from Gilligan's Island. Russell Johnson, yeah, that's right. I forgot about that. He gets ray-beamed by the la- the ship right. as he runs from the car. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. But they essentially, you know, they make first contact with uh, the aliens. They come off as friendly aliens, but yeah, right. then they end up getting abducted and taken to the planet. It's a, it's a dying planet. Oh, right, yeah, searching for resources or something like that. But the movie's cool. It's another one of those, if you like... 50s sci-fi space movies, alien movies. Right. That's one of the upper top ten to see. Right, it's a lot of fun. It was well made and has uh, Professor it's, and it has <laughs> you know for the time good special effects. You know what I mean? Right. Welcome,
0: Exeter. Observed your flight.
1: Almost counted
0: you lost your Earth creatures.
1: Doctor Adams,
0: Doctor Meacham the monitor. I've given them as much indoctrination as possible. Then you know that shortly we can expect Zagon to commence and sustain an all-out attack.
1: So then the other one that really jumps out to me that I can think of, also another Arizona-related film. Oh, is it really? (laughs) Yeah, Fire in the Sky.
2: Oh, wow, I did not know that at all. That
1: happens in Snowflake. Oh, okay. It's based on a true story of... uh, a guy who claimed to be abducted.
0: Five days ago, about sundown on Rim Road, north of Turkey Creek, did you see an unidentified light just above the tree line? Yes.
1: Did you see an object hovering above the clearing? Yes. Was it saucer-shaped? Sort of. I don't... I don't... i never seen anything exactly like it before. It was like a bunch of uh, uh, lumberjack-y kind of guys.
2: Like Dexter, the serial killer?
0: Duct tape, rubber sheets, necessary tools of the trade.
1: Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, <laughs> It's totally Dexter. Yeah,
2: but uh, Fire in the Sky was 93.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: I, and... I remember
1: seeing it in a theater. Okay. Yeah, I remember I was working at the video store, and I remember when it hit the video and I watched it, and I thought, oh, that's pretty cool, you know, yeah. and nobody believed him, and right. the guy was gone for a weekend or something like that. Right,
2: right, yeah. I, I I, can tell you exactly why I saw it in the theater. I was hyped on it because at the time and I was a kid, I watched this show called Unsolved Mysteries.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. Join
2: me next Friday for all this and much more on the exciting season premiere of
1: Unsolved Mysteries.
2: And it seemed like either every show or every other show on Unsolved Mysteries had some kind of alien abduction. So that's why I saw the movie. Right, right. Yeah, so.
1: <laughs> well, if you ever lived in Arizona, there's there's only like a handful of places you can ski. Right, yeah, snow ski, <laughs> and right. Pine Top is one of them, which is right outside of Snowflake. Yeah, oh wow, yeah. You go up skiing up there, you basically stay around that area mm-hmm. where that, hap- that abduction happened.
2: Oh, really? Wow, I did. I, for some reason, I never ever connected. That. I mean, I didn't live in Arizona at the time when the movie came out. So, and since I've been here, I've never really thought of that movie. Hey,
0: Mike! So. Travis, get out of there! Leave this son of a bitch here if he's gonna be an asshole! Travis!
2: And as far as my memory of the movie, I don't have a real clear picture of the movie start to finish. I have elements of it and one of them is the torture scene where the he's already been abducted the alien starts doing the probes on him and stuff they do that thing where they put the needle in the dude's eye and i have a thing about that anything to do with eyeballs yeah i can't stand watching that stuff but the other thing i remember about it is i don't remember scenes with him, but i do remember that james garner was in it oh okay
1: i don't remember that yeah yeah
2: I, I remember that. Huh. I, I think I remember it just because when I was a kid, I don't know why, but I used to really like watching the Rockford Files for
1: some reason. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why. Oh, no. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that was one where as soon as the theme hit, I was like, channel change. Chick. Yep.
2: <laughs> yeah, and then you switch the channel, and it was like,
1: Get the girl, yeah. boy. Yeah, now this is the one. Making their way. Yeah, I mean, I, I guarantee you there's other ones out there. I know there's a movie called The Fourth Kind. and, and Right, uh, yeah. Uh, it, yeah you know, it, like
2: I said, I remember the one that came on cable. It came out, I think, in the late 80s, early 90s, but I remember seeing it on cable with Christopher Walken called Communion. Okay. Yeah, and that one I remember being uh, kind of popular based on a book. Right, right. Something like that, but anyway. I see you. I'm seeing some, I'm seeing someone
0: there. I don't think I like this. Get
1: out! I feel like one of the things is the Netflix explosion of movies and, you know, actually even the video era of the late 90s with the B-title explosion and and DVDs later, everything starts to get convoluted and those are the ones that it's hard to kind of pick and choose right? because there's so many fucking cheap, shitty titles thrown out there. Oh yeah, a ton of junk. So not much stands out anymore. Nope. Is this your first time getting probed? Yeah, it's a pain, but... This is the kind of stuff you put up with living in a remote little mountain town. At least we don't have to deal with traffic. So the next thing is basically aliens in space, yeah? Oh
2: yeah, that's right. Woo! Interstellar adventures right yeah. there. Yeah.
1: Ex Extra- what interplanetary. Oh,
2: oh, you triggered it now. <laughs> You gotta watch that.
1: <laughs> there's a there's a lot of um, there's a lot that like on Mars or the Moon. we well, right. go to the '50s. Yeah, of course. There's one called the Forbidden Planet. Isn't oh. that interesting?
2: Oh, yeah, that's copyright, Tim. Gotta keep it down. No. Uh, cue the music. Interplanetary. Inter-galactic,
0: planet-galactic, planet-galactic, inter-galactic,
2: planet-galactic. <laughs> anyway, a Forbidden Planet is what we're talking about.
0: But now, Doctor Morbius. Prepare your minds for a new scale of physical scientific
2: values, gentlemen.
1: A Forbidden Planet. Yeah, that's basically with... uh...
2: Yours and my favorite locksmith, good old Leslie Nielsen. Who are you and how did you
1: get in here? I'm a locksmith. And I'm a locksmith. Yeah, big old Leslie Nielsen. And that was a really high-budget film, too.
2: I I have had the pleasure of meeting Mr. Nielsen. Yeah. He was nice. He was a good, cool guy before course
1: before he passed away very nice r.i.p there's one in particular i want to talk about real quick though and the movie is called it exclamation point the terror from beyond space okay Mm-hmm. all ears here's the thing okay give it to me if you watch this movie... Yes? ...and put aside the fact that the special effects are terrible and it, they're on a rocket ship... <laughs> okay. ...instead of a long, elongated... <laughs> intergalactic. ...intergalactic planetary <laughs> oh, ship that we're used to seeing in, in modern days... Oh no, here we go again. You'll recognize the plot very familiar to an extremely popular franchise. Event Horizon. And, uh, uh, I hate that movie. <laughs> yeah, me too. You just don't get it, Tim. No, Alien. It's basically, it's the... Right. If you take Alien and Aliens, the two the two things, there's so many similarities between these two scripts mm-hmm. Yeah, that it's almost like they were lifted from this movie, It. <laughs> the Terror from Beyond Space from 1958. Corretta's. What are you thinking about? There's nine bodies you left down there?
0: Yes. But I didn't kill them. Still sticking to your story about the mysterious creatures. Do you expect a court-martial to believe it? It's all I can tell. I wish we could have stayed in search for the bodies. However, there's still enough evidence to put you in front of a firing squad. You honestly believe I'd murder nine of my closest friends in order to survive on Mars?
1: It's essentially... It starts on a, a rescue mission. Sounds familiar. That's launched from Earth to go to Mars or something like that mm-hmm. in 1973. Because <laughs> that's how far we've advanced. What a year that was. And... Uh, the the main structure follows the original movie because it's all these tr- people trapped on a big ship. The original Alien movie. With one, yeah, the original Alien, and there's okay. one alien that just kind of keeps picking them off one at a time. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you uh, you came across this how you rented it or what happened? I just happened to catch it one day watching watching it on TV, and I, by the time I get halfway through it, I'm like, "This is fucking Alien, <laughs> right? This is the movie Alien. I've seen, you know." Yeah, this, they ripped
2: said, they ripped this movie off. <laughs>
1: Except the creature alien in this movie, It. The Terror from Beyond Space is ridiculously bad. (laughs) Yeah, it's just like a real rubbery suit, a guy in a rubbery suit with claws and big googly eyes. Right. You know.
2: Right, yeah. And I guess there was some accusations thrown around by the writer of this movie, It. The Terror from Beyond Space His name was Jerome Bixby, and he straight up accused Dan O'Bannon, the writer of uh, the original Alien, of uh, robbing this movie, robbing the idea. And uh, Dan O'Bannon never really uh, addressed the situation, I guess, publicly, and so there was this animosity, I guess, going on about this. But yeah, when you watch the movie, you definitely can see the influences on it, whether they admit it or not. Well, it's
1: it's obvious when you watch it. Right, Yeah. yeah, yeah it's pretty wild Yeah. so wild. that's all I really want to talk about Alien because we can do about xenomorphs in general we can do a whole nother episode on those things
2: oh boy keep your eyes out folks
1: <laughs> what's the biggest space franchise in the world mm,
2: I'm gonna go with Star Trek How did I
1: know you were going to say that? Probably because you know how big of a Star
2: Trek fan I am not.
1: <laughs> yeah, right? Right. Well, I'm no stranger to it. I've seen the TV shows and stuff like that. I don't really like it or enjoy it, but I've seen the movies and I'm not <laughs> right. a fan. Right. But I am I am a giant fan of Star Wars and I've loved it. Right. I saw it when I was four and a half years old mm-hmm. back in 1977. So Beautiful. Your power's a weak old man. You can't win, Darth strike me down, I shall become more powerful than you can possibly imagine. It's part of my life. I've said this before and I'll say it again. Right. And me too. I, I love Star Wars too. I'm a huge fan. There's one set for stun. And that is one of the things that captured everybody's imagination back in 1977 was his world of diverse... Species of aliens he creates, right? right? You know. Right. Yeah, absolutely. In fact, I think the original cut didn't turn out the way he liked in the bar scene, and then they went back and added extra people with masks and all that stuff before it hit the theaters. Right. There's, and you can tell those scenes. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Because originally it was like, guy, it looks like a bat, and you know, whatever. <laughs> you know, Batman. You wanted me. Here I am. There's a couple of extra scenes that actually look a little bit extra foot in, you know, because he said it was a little sparse the, and there, there wasn't enough money at the time. Right. Not a problem now. Yeah. Not a problem at all. So the filler worked out perfectly. Right. <laughs> obviously. <Yeah. laughs> he
2: was sitting around the cantina set and he was like, how can I make this better? And the guy next to him said, he doesn't like you. I'm
1: sorry. I don't like you either. Yeah. And that's every fanboy today. (laughs) Right.
0: (laughs) Everything is proceeding as I have foreseen.
2: (laughs) I mean, you look at it this way. He created this whole universe that everyone went freaking nuts over and sold for $4 billion so many years later. And it created these worlds and spin-offs and all of this stuff. Just because he couldn't make a was it Flash Gordon or Buck Rogers movie? He couldn't get the rights. So he said, well, fuck it. I'm just going to create my own universe and, and look.
1: Right. And, and then he yeah. created and, a
2: legion of uh, upset fans. Yeah. Pick it in. Right. Oh my God. Yeah. What a monster. So
1: as soon as Star Wars hits and becomes an international success,
2: it's a game changer. Completely changes
1: everything. Yeah, it's a game changer. And then yep. alien movies are everywhere. Right. You know, space stuff and.
2: Right. Well I mean you look at Battlestar
1: uh, Galactica the TV show right
2: and, yeah but I mean that movie I said it earlier sci-fi and and action right becomes adhered to each other then and it, to pull them apart is almost impossible when you do it people hate that you did it because exactly. it's like there's no action this is boring
1: you know what I mean So Star Wars spawns all kinds of stuff and right. you know Yeah I mean it, it sort
2: of revitalizes even though Star Trek came first it revitalizes that to a movie just got
0: an the object of unbelievable destructive power is less than three days away from this planet. The only starship in interception range is the Enterprise. Ready or not, she launches into a power.
1: Yeah, the Star Trek series, and yeah, obviously that started in the 60s on TV, and then because of the popularity of Star Wars, then the star trek the motion picture comes out right
2: and i have a buddy who's a huge star trek fan and he hates the first one and so that movie comes out doesn't really do a whole lot of anything but then 82 comes along and star trek 2 comes out and that blows the doors off of if it. you
1: watch it compared to the first one right yeah it's actually a good movie yeah it's i watched it i'm not a star trek fan and i love right. it. right it's I... actually pretty fun you still
0: remember admiral i cannot help but I, of course, remember you.
1: What is the meaning of this attack? I
2: yeah.
1: don't know. I haven't seen it
2: since I was a kid. But... I saw it three years ago, and, or maybe four, and it was the first time I ever saw it. And I really had a good time with it. It's, yeah. it's a lot of fun. Yeah. The characters are all cool and made me want to watch Star Trek 3 and 4. And then after I got to 5,
1: I was like, that, I'm done. Yeah, that one was terrible.
2: What does God need with a starship?
1: Here's another one we're going to piss off a lot of people about, but especially movie geeks. But the fifth element is huge.
2: Oh yeah, it's got a huge following.
1: And and you and I both hate that hate movie. It. Hate, I hate it. Hate it. I hate that movie. It's so boring and stupid and I don't get it. <laughs> at all I right.
2: Bandanas, here he is, the one and only winner of the Gemini Crockett Contest. This boy is fused like fire. So start melting, ladies, because the boy is hotter than hot. He's hot. Hot! hot. <laughs> I mean, it starts off as this kind of action sci-fi thing, and then turns into this weird comedy. And you got Chris Tucker just screaming his head off all through the fucking film. And then everyone's like, "It's French," and you just you just don't get it. I get it. I don't like it. <laughs> I don't like it at all. So stop. I've it. seen some French
1: movies. I like.
2: Right. Yeah. I, and the it, the opening is not so bad. It's just when it gets deeper into the film, it, you, you got Bruce Willis and, and all of that stuff. And the Chris Tucker is just. It's
1: so annoying i can't stand him yeah i, I can't uh, stand him. totally
2: agree so i i'm sorry if you like that movie but i think it's just a big hunk of poop poop <laughs> <laughs> and and that movie has
1: a huge cult following yeah so. it does yeah i know sorry guys <laughs> not gonna do it nope not. we at least mentioned it yeah there the title got mentioned <laughs> <laughs> right uh, i was
2: gonna save this time in the show to talk about cocoon 2 but i <laughs> talked about this instead <laughs>
1: Yeah,
0: yeah. He's... This is for you new people. I only have one rule Everyone fights, no one quits. If you don't do your job, I'll shoot you. You get me. We get you, sir!
1: Welcome to the Roughnecks.
0: cats, Roughnecks!
1: I remember going to see Starship Troopers in the theater. Oh, and, me too. Uh, yeah. I mean, thinking the idea was cool. Right. The CG was moderate was pretty good for the time. It
2: still it still is. It's really good. I mean, I watched it not too long ago and it's it holds Have you seen it at all recently? No, it holds up. It holds up really well. Does it? It's it's because of it's a mixture. It's it's some CGI and it's also mixed in with all of the real and um, practical, right? Yeah. Real practicals, and then also Phil Tippett, who did the stop motion and stuff. He
1: got in there and toyed around with some stuff too. It blends really well. Right. Okay. Yeah, it's
2: great stuff.
1: I didn't know it was as violent as it was, oh. and I remember being right. completely like just. <laughs> in love with how violent that movie is <laughs> oh yeah yeah well
2: i mean that's verhoeven That uh, when the trailer came out it was like from the man who made robocop right i was like and fuck RoboCop. yeah
1: yeah i'm there man i'd never made the connection until after the fact and then yeah i, I mean you watch it now and it's like yeah this is a, that's from that guy verhoeven movie. Right. yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah this is yeah. that's him that was the yeah. idea And that's why we used
2: all this imagery of Lenin Riefenstahl. I mean, uh, there's really many shots in Starship Troopers that they copied from Triumph of the Will, which is the Nazi propaganda movie of uh, Riefenstahl in 1934. And to
0: tell the audience, yes, these are your heroes, but by the way, they're fascists.
2: And Verhoeven's one of those guys that has his hand on the pulse of not only just really great, gory action, but also real topical stuff. Yeah. Satirical stuff that he
1: comments on in all of his movies. Where we're headed. Right. Where is humanity headed and making fun of that. Right. They're doing their part. Are you? Join the mobile infantry and save the world. Service guarantees citizenship. I think we've remarked before that, you know, He's almost a fortune teller in that sense that (laughs) almost everything he's made fun of has come true, you know?
2: Right. Yeah. The main thing that got you into the theaters, though, Tim, I'm sure it was your buddy Casper was in it.
1: Oh, yeah. (laughs) Mr. Squarejaw himself, Casper Van Dien. He's like a less better looking (laughs) Ernest Borgnine.
2: Hey, you take that back right now. You name one thing Casper Van Dien has done that's as good as Super Fuzz, man. You name it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs>
0: but what do you expect if a man gets caught in the middle of an atomic blast the least he can do is drop dead
1: anyhow it's a cool movie i remember i like michael ironside's getting his legs ripped off oh, and all God. that stuff and uh that's
2: so awesome and neil patrick harris yeah he gets his yeah yeah don't forget about the undying talent of denise richards jake busey right plus uh, let's not forget it's r-rated so we get gore and we get some
1: boobies right the military's co-ed.
2: Right. So. Shower scenes. And in case you kids out there who are too young to understand, this is R-rated time in the 80s, 90s.
1: Boobs. <laughs> yeah. Gore. Right. Well, although, you, although Deadpool's helped. Yeah. Time to make the chimmy fucking chongas. Yeah, for Bring sure. Bring it back. But, yeah. but
2: kids, it used to be like that
1: all the time. Yeah, it used to be all the time. All the time. There was this thing called the 80s. Yeah, where all the love scenes were soft core. There was a lot of machetes
2: in the eighties, <laughs> right, and boobs don't and forget machetes. those
1: and machetes
2: boobs and machetes That's all the eighties <laughs> <80s> was about <laughs> The following movie is
0: rated
1: in your in the
2: well, we could not get through this whole show without having to mention this movie, which is the biggest movie ever. And it's directed by James Cameron. He took us to Pandora. Yeah. That's his movie Avatar.
0: You are not in Kansas anymore. You are on Pandora, ladies and gentlemen. Respect that fact every second of every day. If there is a hell, you might want to go there for some R&R after a tour on Pandora. Out there beyond that fence, every living thing that crawls, flies, or squats in the mud wants to kill you and eat your eyes for jujubes.
1: Giant blue people.
2: People were legitimately killing themselves because they were depressed they couldn't go to Pandora. (laughs) And so if they would have just waited like 10 years later, they would have been able to go to Disney World cuz they built it. So. They should have just
1: waited, bunch yeah. of idiots. They are impatient. No, I think we're better off that they killed themselves. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> as good as this movie was for, at the time for me, the ground it was, I was completely blown away with the obviously the effects and the the 3D and the, Right, yeah. It affected me. I was kind of shaking at the end of it. And that had to do with the 3D more than anything. Stimulation. Because of the... Yeah. I mean, I've seen 3D where it was...
2: Not so great, yeah. ...depth in. But this kind of took...
1: Right. It kind of brought it out and in. Yeah, did both, yeah. So it was almost like a three-tiered... I don't know how to explain it. I just know I was so overstimulated. (laughs) (laughs) That when it came time to leave the theater, I had to sit there for a minute and kind of chill out. (laughs) (laughs) Right. So Um. that was exciting. But, you know... The movie itself, especially on rewatches and all that stuff. Obviously, there's Sam Worthington, who's terrible. Eesh, good Lord. pretty flat as an actor. Yeah, you have to literally animate the guy to get some life out of him. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, right. And the story itself is a Pocahontas ripoff. Of, uh, like right. the, you know, Yeah, it,
2: Dances with Wolves, right.
1: Right, right. Or, yeah, any of those stories, it's been told a hundred times already. Right, it's yeah. just on a different planet now. Right. Yeah. And uh, my,
2: my first time seeing it was in the theater as well. I went to the IMAX show just to experience it the best way I could. And I was very impressed too. Of course, you know, as that wears off, it's kind of like a sugar rush. You get the high highs and then it wears off and you don't feel so good after. <laughs> right. And that's how I was. Like, you see it on TV and it's just, you start looking more. Yeah,
1: you don't have the 3D anymore. Right.
2: right. So you start paying attention to the story and that's not a good thing. Right. Because once you start looking at the story, you see how generic it is and it's not really well done and a lot of the acting is a little more over the top than what normally is in his films right
1: you right know. and some someone made the comparison too that he reverses aliens at the end
0: get away from her you bitch
1: <laughs> where the bad guy is in a mech machine fighting a big alien person right yeah and then in aliens <laughs> she's in a big mech exoskeleton fighting a big alien <laughs> and i'm like wait a second you did this already <laughs> right you yourself right yeah
2: it's ripping off himself well at least it's himself right instead of other people like he did that guy from the twilight zone for terminator but anyway uh it's not one that i own or want to own yeah. it's just kind of there and whatever
1: So in conclusion, Derek. Intergalactic conclusion. Intergalactic, planet, planet, planet,
0: intergalactic. <laughs>
2: <laughs> anyway, all right. So no fooling around in conclusion, I want to end this with a beginning of sorts. And what I mean by that is I want to tell a little story about my very first experience that I can remember of seeing anything that has to do with aliens. And it was on TV with my mother as she was watching the original Twilight Zone show. The episode was called Mr. Dingle the Strong. It stars Burgess Meredith as this kind of wimpy guy that everyone kind of pushes around in the bar. And I was, looked at him and I was like, is that the penguin?
1: Or uh, Mickey from... Yeah.
2: Right. Yeah, well, I don't even know if I've seen Rocky at that at right. that time in my life. But... You
0: go back to being
2: a two-bit nothing. I knew him as the Penguin for sure, and anyway, so the basically it deals with these aliens that are invisible that are watching the human race, <laughs> and they yeah. pick Burgess Meredith's character and right. they give him these powers like super strength and whatever. And so because he's so picked upon and he kind of sticks to himself and everything, I think he even has a stutter. Uh, he uses this uh, to pick up like tables and beat up the rough that's in the bar and stuff and and he uses it for attention basically because he's a man who has never got attention right so the aliens observe basically he's being like a little attention whore (laughs) and he's he's using these for the wrong reasons that they gave it to him and so they take them away and so all of this attention he's garnered and these people who are following him around start to call him names and stuff and he's back pretty much in this the spot that he was at the beginning uh, so yeah it's one of those those twilight zone endings and stuff but i remember just feeling really bad for him and why are these aliens toying with his life like this because he already was kind of a sad sack already so that was basically my first experience in realizing yeah, right. that you know, these life forms that did this to him are from outer space or something. I think I was even asking questions about it or whatever. But that is for sure the first memory I do have of seeing anything with aliens in it.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah, I guess, for you know, for me, going back, it's probably Star Wars. But, I, I, I mean, there might be other stuff mixed in, you know, uh, s- some Star Trek TV episodes and stuff like that.
2: Right. Yeah.
1: But I already talked about that, so I don't want to talk about it again. <laughs>
2: Fine then (laughs) Jesus So what do you think Tim Where do you think we are right now As far as media goes with science fiction Are we washed up Yeah I I feel like you know Are we ever going to be at the zenith level That we were at in the 60s With Stanley Kubrick's (laughs)
1: 2001 uh, No
2: I don't (laughs) You don't think so
1: (laughs) I don't I I think it was you know The well has been run dry Right yeah (laughs) <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, there's always the potential for something to come out there. You can, I mean, the, right. You know, but the but, chances but are, but
2: is it going to be the blender of everything they've seen before, just compiled together? Yeah,
1: which because the, the, the fact of the, you know, when he, when we talk about go back, to, let's just let's go back to Star Wars one more time. It's a blender of everything that was done in the 30s and 40s and 50s. Right, that George Lucas loved. Right, and just put with new names and shiny color camera and all that stuff and and new
2: character names and effects right right so so with with what we're saying with with all of that said do you think we have legitimate legs to stand on when we criticize george lucas or james cameron for ripping off other ones because everyone else is doing that and that's how we get to the next level as far as where we've gotten with all the sci-fi films and stories that we're getting today or it, are we being hypocrites or, or are we just seeing that big cycle thing that we see going over and over and over again and
1: yeah and and the fact that when we did start researching this show the information for the show we did notice there's a very cyclical right yeah 25 year cycle on this on this stuff yeah Uh, where every 25 years or so, these movie stories start coming back up again or whatever. You know, there's always going to be overlap and whatever. But Right, yeah, that's with any genre. Right, and I I think just what's going to happen is is you have young, fresh generations coming up that are going to take in the new stuff first. They won't take in the old stuff, so the new stuff becomes their treasured shit, and maybe they'll rediscover the old stuff and say, oh, that must be where that came from. Right. For a while, those new directors will get away with their magic trick.
0: <laughs>
1: well, let us know what you guys think about what we're talking about. I'm sure we're going to hear a lot of flack about the fifth element. Uh, and you can suck my balls because that movie. Well, I'm sure
2: we're going to hear a lot of stuff about Avatar as well. Whatever.
1: Thanks for your time and thanks for listening, huh? Yeah, thanks for letting us curl up and snuggle into your ear. And. <laughs> We'll catch you on a upcoming episode of Transmissions from the Forbidden Planet. That's right.